0: Welcome everyone. It's a great pleasure to be with you again tonight. We are just very honored to be able to be with you. We know that there are many things that you could have chosen to do with this time this is a busy month the month of december lots of activities are taking place and holiday celebrations of all kinds and and we're just honored that we can spend this time and it's a very short time but we're very happy and thankful to be able to do it together with you and then to our beloved kkcj family here in israel in jerusalem and to our many friends around the world we want to wish you a very Hanukkah Sameach, uh, Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah started a few nights ago on Thursday, this last Thursday. So tonight is our fourth of eight nights celebrating Hanukkah, and so at the end of the service tonight we're going to light the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah menorah, and we'd love for you to be with us as we say those blessings over the Hanukkah during this very important and special time of the year. And we trust that you're spending some time as well, gathering together as family or friends and observing the holiday and remembering God's faithfulness in your life and remembering his sovereignty over the affairs of man and over our own lives. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, just as an update from Israel here, we've experienced the the so-called Corona cabinet in the government here has uh, been threatening to put us under a third lockdown, the third of, uh, of the year. And uh, because of the Hanukkah celebrations and the Halakha Halakha, uh, holiday, they were going to do another lockdown that was going to last for three weeks. There was so much pushback and and, uh, opposition to it that they started talking about, instead of locking us into our homes for three weeks, they were going to actually do curfews, and and then each night at 6 or 7 o'clock at night, We'd have to be locked in our homes and off the streets and uh, out of any kind of Hanukkah celebration, reducing the crowds, reducing the opportunities to uh, collect the virus, and so on. So on Tuesday, they were going to make this big decision, and we were all bracing, kind of waiting, how is this going to go, and what are they going to do for us? And, And then Wednesday morning, we woke up. And it was the exact opposite. Instead of giving us curfews and lockdowns, they actually opened everything up. So stores and malls all opened up and some restaurants and cafes. And uh, And so we're all kind of out enjoying some things that we haven't been able to do for several months now, probably since the middle of September. So we are looking at uh, a new celebration, being able to celebrate this Hanukkah, Uh, holiday together. Best of all, Israelis are being able to get out and to celebrate this very beloved and enjoyable holiday, this holiday of Hanukkah. In spite of the great joy of this season, this is a unique uh, holiday, this unique holiday of Hanukkah was actually birthed out of An amazingly dark season that took place in the history of the Jewish people demonstrating God's power in their lives. While it isn't a holiday that's listed as a part of the biblical holidays that God instructs his people to observe, we still see the text that uh, Jackie just got through reading. In the book of John, as, as the text of God's word describes Yeshua himself, coming to the temple during the Feast of Dedication, during the winter holidays. Hanukkah is the Feast of Dedication. We'll talk about that a little bit later tonight. But it's it's significant that Yeshua was there observing this holiday. Hanukkah as a holiday was established then to both celebrate and to commemorate God's provision and his deliverance. Of his people in this particularly dark and challenging season of their history, the story, as many of us know, takes place a couple of hundred years before the birth of the Messiah. In in 190 B.C., the the Jewish people living in Judea in Israel at the time were under the rule of the Syrian Greeks, the Seleucid Empire. Initially, under this empire, they'd been given tons of religious freedom and able to go to the temple and to do daily sacrifices and to live a life obedient before God, observing all the rules and the commandments that God had given them to do. They had all the freedom to do that. However, they were living in an increasingly ever changing environment of growing Greek secularization, where they saw Jewish people, Jewish believers, regularly walking away from their faith in God and identifying with the Greek culture around them, with the ideas and the customs and the practices of worship, eroding away the very fabric of their belief system, the long-standing biblical customs and traditions that they as a people had always lived. The more traditional Hebrews stood up against these invading ideas. They saw it as a threat against their relationship with God and their calling and role as the people of God in the world. But the more they stood up for God's ways, the more they were practicing their faith, the more the secular Jews, those that had adopted Hellenism and the Greek culture and worship, increasingly fought against and uh, for and against them. Eventually, this led to the Greek Seleucids stepping in at the request of the secularized Jews with a large army, forcefully taking over Jerusalem, especially the temple, looting it and spoiling the temple and outlawing Judaism, outlawing any kind of worship of God. In fact, Antiochus, the leader of the Greeks, ordered an altar for the god Zeus to be erected as he banned the circumcision of Jewish babies, at the same time ordering the sacrificing of pigs on the altar in God's temple. This was a tremendous desecration for the Jewish people, and it lasted for three and a half long years. But the story tells us how the followers of God a small band of faithful men and women, the Maccabees, who banded together in order to uh, protect their religion and to protect their faith before God and to, to fight against the erosion that was taking place all around them as they fought against the most powerful army of their day, the Greek army. They successfully took back the city of Jerusalem. And more importantly, they took back the temple, the, the center of their worship, the holy place. But they couldn't do any more sacrifices. Therefore, they, they found as they came into the temple that it had been desecrated. It was full of false altars and false gods. And the, the altar itself had been desecrated. And so they needed to to rededicate the altar to God. In fact, this is where we get the word Hanukkah. The word Hanukkah in Hebrew actually means dedication. So even today we'll see Israelis who are getting ready to dedicate their house or their apartment. They will have a Hanukkah Bait or a house dedication. So as the Maccabees came into the temple, they were getting ready to rededicate the temple to God and to rededicate their own selves, their lives back to God and to worship of God. But they couldn't do it. Because they needed to light the menorah, the eternal flame that burned within the temple. And they needed enough oil to do it for several days. But they only needed—they only had enough oil to burn for one day. So they made the decision, we'll, we'll burn what we have. And they lit the menorah and they began the process of purifying more oil. Which was going to take at least eight days that, that would take before they'd be able to have new oil to burn into the menorah. And then miraculously, as the story unfolds, that one day's worth of oil burns for eight nights, long enough for the new oil to be produced and to be purified, to be ready and to be brought back into the temple for further dedication of the temple back to God. Today, we see the Hanukkah celebration always then includes this nine-branch candlestick, the Hanukiah or the Hanukkah menorah. It's a little bit different than the regular menorah as it has this extra ninth uh, burning spot in the middle or sometimes over on the side. We see this this burning of candles for eight nights commemorating both the victory over the Greek destruction and desecration of their temple, but also celebrating God's victory of, of making the oil that was only long enough for one day to last for eight solid days. In addition to the holiday being celebrated with the lighting of candles, we see lots of great foods that are fried in oil being cooked. Among the premier uh, foods is the sufganiyah, or the sufganiyot, the jelly donuts. You'll see some of those pictures here. The jelly donuts that are filled with this great jelly, and these days now are filled with caramel and chocolate and uh, lots of other goodies that make them worth buying and celebrating this holiday together with. As well as other fried foods, like the latke potato cakes, and it's just a fun season of lights and of good food and of celebrations with friends and family. Uh, one of our favorite activities is walking through the old city of Jerusalem, going through the Jewish quarter and, and looking at all the Hanukkiahs that are burning in the windows and out on the the streets, uh, the the sidewalks, because they are actually commanded not to burn them inside the house where nobody else can see the light. They put them out where everyone can see, not just the light, but to be reminded then of God's faithfulness to his people. In fact, we're hoping later this week on Thursday, we're going to take our, uh, the youth group here from King of Kings to the old city. And we're going to do a walk, if the restrictions will allow us, through the Jewish corridor and give that visual demonstration, that visual reminder of God's transforming power if you've been with us over the last few weeks, we've been taking a look at this idea, our series, The, the Transforming Power of God, with this challenging idea behind this topic, this challenge, challenging idea that we have been created to live extraordinary, eventful lives. We're not called just to simply sit and wait for heaven to come. Rather, God has given us and promised us his transforming power and and has placed that in each one of our lives through the power of his indwelling spirit so that we might live extraordinary lives in extraordinary times. That power of God is at work in us and through us, changing us from the inside out, renewing us and making us look more like our master, Yeshua, and then changing our world around us as we yield our lives obediently before the Lord and walk and follow after Him. When we look at this story of Hanukkah and the events that shaped this holiday that we celebrate and observe every year, if we overlay those challenging and uh, dramatic events, that took place during the Maccabees, we overlay that over our world today. We can actually see a few lessons that fit our experiences, particularly during this challenging time of COVID in this year of 2020. And the lessons that we can take away on our own about God and his transforming power are invaluable to our lives today. We're only going to highlight a couple of lessons that we can learn from the the holiday of Hanukkah. Though I'm sure there are many, many more. We're just going to highlight a couple of thoughts. And the first thought is this. God's light will always outshine the darkest season. God's light will always outshine the darkest season. The story of Hanukkah is a dark season for the Jewish people. They are facing what seems hopeless odds. The light of their religion is being extinguished moment by moment, day by day, as people are walking away from the faith and they're being squeezed out of by the culture around them any opportunity to be obedient to God. Yet, against all odds... God's transforming power rallied together this small collection of people. By his power, they were able to push back and to eliminate one of the fiercest armies that the world had ever known, the Greek army. This season that Israel faced is what we might call a dark night of the soul. A season of life so devastating, so challenging on so many levels that it causes those who are living in the middle of it to express out loud, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, do you still care about me? Do you still care about us? Very much like this season that we're walking through today in the world around us, a season where everything that we might know about God or things that we have come to believe about who he is and how he works and and all that we've ever understood about God is brought into question as pastor Ray described last week our expectations of God don't match what God is doing and our faith is stretched to the very limits and challenged in this darkness as he uses these very things That are challenging our faith to purify our faith, just like the oil of Hanukkah was purified during those dark times. See, it's in these dark times that we wrestle with God and we ask Him the hard questions. We, we seek for that bedrock of truth and we, we begin to let go of false ideas, false beliefs that we've raised up as truths in our mind because now lo- we can no longer hold on to them because the truth of what's, what we're living through causes us to have to extinguish those lies, those, those wrong thinkings about who God is, those wrong ideas about who we are, the wrong ideas that we've perceived about what, what our world is around us. And so we begin to let go of all of those wrong ideas and wrong things as our faith begins to be renewed inside of us and perfected as it begins to grow stronger and fresher, bolder and more mature. Because those dark nights, and we all need to hear this, those dark nights are always followed by a new day dawning somebody needs to hear that again those dark nights are always followed by a new day dawning where we experience renewed vision renewed purpose renewed direction renewed hope and faith in God what the Bible describes is beauty coming from ashes if you're experiencing ashes right now in your life or in the world around you god's promise the pattern that we see in his word is that god takes those ashes and turns them into a beautiful thing there's always a new day dawning at the end of those long dark nights but i know some of us are saying right now pastor mike hold on just a moment pastor mike we're believers we're Christians 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 don't have a dark night of the soul where's your scriptural proof what scripture are you looking at to show us that there is a dark night of the soul and my response would be actually there's a great precedence in God's word and actually outside of God's word for this kind of season in the life of a follower of God But I also want to be clear that this isn't a season that we'll continually be in over and over and over again. What we're talking about tonight is the season that each man or woman of God, that man or woman that's seeking after God, that's looking for ways to become more like God, that's looking for ways to be obedient to God, they're going to face at least once in their lifetime, maybe two or possibly three times, but it isn't going to be over and over and over again. But they are going to face it at least once in their life. My wife and I were talking about a friend of ours recently, a great person, loves the Lord, and they're young in the Lord. And we said they haven't walked through a dark night of the soul yet. They haven't experienced a deepening of their their faith and a stretching of their faith yet because their attitude would be completely different on the other side. There would be a depth of maturity there. It wasn't a judgment call. It was simply acknowledging that God brings us as we walk with him to places that we can call a dark night of the soul where our faith is challenged and tested and purified And I just lost my notes. Again, our examples are numerous. Just to mention a few. Let's look at Noah's dark night of the soul. Noah, as he is building the boat for hundreds, a hundred years, the Bible says. During this whole time, he's ridiculed and mocked and made fun of. This dark night of the soul that culminates then. With the absolute destruction of the world, everything that he's ever known, totally wiped out. That's a dark night of the soul where we have to ask hard questions of God. How about Job's dark night of the soul as he faces physical and spiritual and emotional affliction that none of us can even begin to comprehend? None of us have ever had to face, most likely. How about Abraham's dark night of the soul? As Abraham struggles with God about who is going to be the heir of this great promise. God, here's my son Ishmael. Take him. And, and God's saying, no, I want to bless I, uh, uh, Isaac. And then Abraham happened to bring this to a culmination as God calls him to sacrifice that one son. That, that one son of promise. That's a dark night of the soul how about jacob and his season of 20 plus years with his uncle laban carrying this promise of abraham and isaac in his spirit and in his heart and yet here he is taking care of sheep and goats and being deceived and tricked by his uncle laban in a land that's foreign to him in a language that isn't his own How about Joseph being rejected by his brothers in a a foreign prison, forgotten and rejected? How about David on the run for his life, being chased and accused falsely and set up for death and destruction? Jeremiah ridiculed and placed into a prison cell, a cistern in the mud, in the hole in the ground. It's a dark night of the soul about Yeshua facing the unbelievable, not only being betrayed by his friends, but being filled with the dread and the fear and the brokenheartedness of what he had to face, the rejection and the sorrow on top of the physical torture and the false accusations and the loneliness that he faced as he faced the cross. That is a dark night of the soul. And the disciples who lost everything at the crucifixion only to be f- persecuted just like Yeshua after he rose again. Each of these and many, many more experienced what we call this dark night of the soul. That purifying and renewing of their faith where God, God's transforming power comes into those moments and brings deeper, greater faith and more life. The message version says more life, 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 and more life from those dark nights of the soul. A transformational power allowed these ordinary followers of God. They weren't extraordinary. They were ordinary like you and me, followers of God, The transformational power of God allowed them to walk through some of the darkest seasons of anyone's experience and emerge on the other side into God's light, into God's life, and into his love. Matured now and carrying with them a greater understanding and perspective of who God is And more importantly, carrying with them a deeper, more intimate relationship with their God. This leads us to our second Hanukkah lesson tonight. Because the two ideas are interconnected. The dark night of the soul always ends as the darkness is extinguished. And a greater light is birthed and renewed in our hearts and in our lives. Reminding us that God's light always outshines the darkest seasons. Because this is what we're going to learn in our second lesson from Hanukkah. Lesson number two. Yeshua, the light of the world, gives us his transforming light. Yeshua, the light of the world, gives us his transforming light light when we look at our master Yeshua he describes himself in a couple of extraordinary ways first he says in Matthew 20 that he came to serve not to be served and he repeats this several other places he came to serve to be a servant to give and not to be given to then a little bit later he tells those that are standing around with him as light I have come into the world so that everyone who trusts in me should not remain in darkness. Yeshua, the servant leader of light. Hanukkah is a winter holiday, takes place in the darkest time of the year, at least here in the northern hemisphere. And we see as the the holiday begins on the first night of Hanukkah that Darkness rules there is no light until we light that first candle and with the help of the the shamash candle the one that's like all the rest of the candles but is always sort of set apart in the candelabra either on the side over on the side or up above the shamash candle helps in lighting all of the other candles. So that first night, the first candle is lit and and the darkness is pushed back just a little bit. Then on the second night, with the help again of the shamash candle, two candles are lit, illuminating the surrounding just a little bit more, pushing back more darkness. And we repeat this process night after night for eight solid nights until every branch of the candelabra is lit, extinguishing the darkness, brightly shining up the entire area. Yeshua, like the servant candle, the shamash, comes energized with God's transforming power, the eternal light of God's truth. And he comes into our darkened lives And he comes into our darkened minds. And he comes into our darkened world. And he comes into these darkest seasons, like the one we're walking through right now, to give us his light, his eternal light, and to give us his life, removing the darkness from our hearts and from our minds and from our world. When we look at this past year that we've walked through as a people we can see that we've stepped into a very, very dark season. For many it's become a dark night of the soul where God, where we're asking God the hard questions God, where are you in all of this? What are you doing? God, do you Do you hear our prayers? Why aren't you moving the way we want you to move? Why aren't you stopping the wickedness that we see around us? Do you still care about us? Do you still care about your people? And we feel as if we're left in this darkness with more questions than we have answers where our hearts feel cold and our eyes are dimmed by the darkness around us. And it's in these very settings, when all seems hopeless, when darkness is all around us, that we are meant to embrace the transforming power of God. In fact, I would say it this way. It's because of seasons like this that God has given us his transforming power. And it comes into action in our lives as Yeshua, the light of the world, that servant leader of light, displaces the darkness around us and gives us enough light to follow him step at a time, obediently yielding our lives in love to him, giving us enough light to see the path and walk obediently before him. Said a different way, God's transforming power was designed for the most difficult, challenging, and darkest of times. And we see this in the Hanukkah story. But even beyond Hanukkah and beyond 2020, God's transforming power has a long and enduring history. Exampled in lives and stories of men and women that are on display in God's word and outside of God's word, down through the centuries, as followers of God, men and women who have laid their lives on the line for God's words, for God's truth, for his kingdom, have lived through dark, desperate times as they've walked through holocausts and wars and disasters and destructions unmentionable, near annihilations, living under tyrants and dictators and through famines and diseases, and the list literally could go on and on and on. See, God's transforming power wasn't designed for the easy life, sitting around waiting for heaven to come. Instead, it was designed for seasons like the very one that you and I are walking through right now. God gives it to us, his people, his transforming power for the roughest and the toughest and the darkest of situations and circumstances that are unimaginable. And that's where we're at. Where his light can be displayed out in public, just like the Hanukkahs, In the old city, just like what we're going to do later tonight. Out in front for all to see God's dramatic power. I'd like to conclude our time together tonight just sharing a couple of simple thoughts. Hopefully they're encouraging, but I know they're going to be challenging. This generation of the body of Messiah, you and me and our children... We have an opportunity that lies before us. On the one hand, we're facing some of the darkest and most de- desperate times that any of us alive can ever remember having experienced. Our days are filled with non-ending shifts and twists and turns and curves, challenges, filled with unknown question marks that stretch our faith to the very limits in addition to these unending uncertainties we've been they've been, in, they've been accom- accompanied by great loss either a sense of loss or f- real great losses of physical health or financial stability relational losses and emotional losses vision losses many of the things that we've come to know about god that We've put our faith in have been turned sideways at best. Our faith is being challenged. In fact, I would actually say it this way. Our faith is being renewed. Where, as Pastor Chad said a couple of weeks ago, God is saying in the midst of all of this, I love you enough to not let you stay the way you are. God is refining our faith because he loves us. And it's in this environment that it could be very easy to say, and it's been actually very easy to do, to recoil and to simply exist a kind of nihilism of, of sorts, selfishly sucking the life out of our lives for our own good, for our own pleasure only taking care of ourselves, our own needs, our own problems. This is base human nature. Or we have another option. Like the Maccabees, we can take this season, we can face the dark night of the soul that we're experiencing in our own lives and in the world around us. And we can embrace it. And God's, good, deep work being done in us, his bride, we're his bride, where a far greater work is being done in us in the midst of this dark, dark season than could be done in our greatest worship services, in our greatest prayer meetings, preparing us, his bride, for for wonderful and amazing days in front of us. Chad, Pastor Chad described this a few weeks ago at the beginning of our series as he talked about the days of great harvest that lie in front of us. Yeshua is preparing us for those great days and he has in his target the lives of those. The harvest is ready, Yeshua said, for the many that don't know him. That his transforming power has been preparing to come into his family And into his house this is the season that we're living in God is preparing us his bride for him and for the great harvest that lies in front of us that's at our very doorstep as we speak tonight Hanukkah reminds us that we have two choices to live ourselves to live for ourselves covering all of our own bases, or to live into the dark night, allowing Yeshua, the light of the world, that shamash candle, to energize us, to ignite our hearts with God's power, illuminating our lives, and illuminating the world around us, pushing back the dark nights, and preparing us for a day a brand new day of God's purposes being accomplished, of revival and of renewal in us and through us. That's our challenge tonight. And then one last thought that I think is so important for us to say. The Maccabees did not do what they did on their own. It wasn't the Maccabee. It was the Maccabees. It was a plural. It was a community community. God's designed us we are designed for community everything about our culture now is pushing against that idea pushing for isolation pushing for recoiling pushing us out of community and so our challenge tonight is this God's transforming power works in us and through us best as a community Now I'm not saying that we need to fight against the laws of our land I am saying that we need to fight for community. We need to be intentional in finding ways to be with God's people, to encourage them and to strengthen them as Hebrew commands us to not uh, neglect that gathering together, but to build up one another. Who are you building up in this very deep, dark, and desperate season? Well, as we end our time together tonight, we're going to light our Hanukkah. I'm going to invite Jackie to come up again. She's going to light the Hanukkah, say the blessings over that, and we'll spend some time worshiping the Lord together. the light of the world, lighting our lives with truth and with power for these dark, dark nights. Go ahead and put that back in. Yep. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has given us holidays, customs and seasons for gladness, for the glory of the Lord, Yeshua, our Messiah, the light of the world. Baruch ata Adonai Eloheinu, melech haolam. Asher natan lanu Hagim chukot u mo'adim, l'simcha. Lichvot yeshua ha-mashiach, adonainu, or haolam.